Now, so this is a common question, and some use this to say the Bible has errors. The Bible has contradiction. The Bible never has an er any error because God is perfect. God's word is therefore perfect. He preserved it perfect for us. So the Christian must always first assume. Actually, what must you first assume whenever you read the Bible and say, hey, contradiction, what are we going to do? What is the first thing you would do, Cornelius? Look at the context, okay. Um, now, if after some time you still cannot find the answer and you don't have time to ask anyone and your heart begins to fear, maybe the Bible really has errors. How should a Christian think? How should a Christian think? Whenever you read the Bible, oh, looks like there's a contradiction and error. How should a Christian think? Uh, maybe I ask Matthew. How should you think? So go ahead. There must be some answer in the Bible. <laughs> Very good. There must be some answer in the Bible. The problem is not the Bible. The problem is with men. All right? So that's a good answer. There's definitely an answer in the Bible. I am the one who do not understand yet. All right? So the assumption the Christian must always make is God is always right. The Bible is always without error. If there's something at this point I think that is contradiction, it's always me, always men. Over and over again in history, it's been proven. Very sadly, even Christians attack the Bible and say, see, you know, those who say the Bible have error, let us look at just this passage. You will already know the Bible has error. It's very sad to hear that. Now, it's 1 Samuel chapter 1. So someone been asking now, verse 1. Now, let's read together verse 1. Now... There was a certain man of Ramath im Zophim, of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, an Ephrathite. An Ephrathite. Now, people read this passage and say the Bible has errors. Now, because here, actually it rose because someone asked, but pastor, you, say that, you said that Eli was uh, sorry, Samuel, all right, Samuel was a Levite. Samuel was a Levite. So remember, all priests are Levites, not all, but not all Levites are priests, all right? Only the priests are allowed to be, uh, only the Levites are allowed to be priests. So you say, but you said, and therefore, Samuel being a Levite, now he cannot be a priest because he was not part of the Aaronic line. Only the Aaronic line Levites can be priests. So you say, Pastor, you said that, well, he was a Levite, but not of Aaron line, so he needed to be a Nazarite, all right, Nazarite priest, in order to offer sacrifices. Okay, so remember that. So you say, Pastor, you said that, but is Eli really a Levite? Because here, look at verse 1. You see, Elkanah, which is the father of Samuel, but when you trace Elkanah's line, it's an Ephrathite. Ephrathite from Ephraim. Alright, so he is not of, the, not of the Levitical tribe. He is of the Ephraim tribe. So then, it looks like there is a problem in the Bible. Right, now if, now for example, um, if you turn, Numbers 35, Now let us read verse 6 together. And among the cities which shall 
give unto the Levites, there shall be six cities for refuge. We shall appoint for the manslayer, that he may flee thither, and to them he shall add forty and two cities. Now here, God tells us that the Levites, they do not have assigned lands. They will be assigned cities to live in. So just because um, they are not, and you won't find of the Levitical um, country, for example, right? So they will live in different cities. Now, another one is, they say the problem lies in, now turn to Chronicles, um, 1 Chronicles, verse, uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 6, all right? 1 Chronicles Now, when we think about um, the, the line, 1 Chronicles chapter 6, when we think about the line and you trace the line, 1 Chronicles um, chapter 6, now this is the chapter, okay, this is the chapter where the line of the Levites are chosen, are, are, are listed. Look at chapter 6, verse 16. The sons of Levi, all right, then it will say, and this verse 17, and these be the names of the sons of Gershom. So this this list here will be the sons of Levi, all right? And in here, you will begin to see, to trace that Elkanah was in here, and the other people's name that was in here were all mentioned here as well. So when you begin to say, then they say, well, if, now, if you look at verse 35, verse, 30, verse 34, the son of Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Eliel, and the son of Torah, the son of Zuth, all right? And, and the son of Elkanah. And then after that, you will have, again, the son of Elkanah, and so on, and so on, and the son of Samuel. Now, they say, look, in First Chronicles chapter 6, we find that Elkanah and therefore Samuel was of the line of Levi. But then, in First Samuel, we are told, in chapter 1, verse 1, that he's an Ephrathite. He's an Ephrathite. Now, I hope you're following. Now I ask you, you th do you think the Bible has an error, a contradiction? What do you think, um, Caleb? No, why? How do you explain this? Say again? Not sure. Okay. I give the answer very clearly already. Um, let us try... Well, maybe the university student. Um, CP. Say again? Paternal, maternal? No, you mentioned Elkanah, right? So it's paternal. Maybe I'll try another one. Uh, Michelle? Dual citizenship. <laughs> so you apply what you experience. There's dual citizenship. What do you mean by that? Right, very good, right? So someone was paying attention, thankfully. Right, so we already know the Bible says that Elkanah Samuel was from the Levitical line. Right, and I even give you an open hint that they don't have cities. They're assigned places to stay in. And furthermore, you know, during that time, the, the, it was, things were so bad, the, the Levites, they were just moving around. Not even when it is not their own assigned Levitical city, they started to spread around, okay? In disobedience to God. So, so the mention that he is 
in First Chronicles of the Levitical line. Then on the other side, he's a if of the Ephrathite um, citizen. Yeah, very good. I think dual citizenship is the best best way to describe it. Well, originally, well, he is, he is born of the Levitical line. Then he, he they either wandered there or it's one of the cities that they were there in Ephraim, and then he was he was just called an Ephrathite. That's all. The Bible never contradicts itself. All right, it has its answers. Okay, so I hope that clarifies things. So yes, Samuel was of the Levitical line. Now, next question. Someone asked this. So all these Old Testament things, huh? Did did oh let's turn to Genesis. 4150 first. Genesis 4150. Genesis chapter 41, verse 50. Wait, before we go further, what's the lesson to learn from the first question? We must have spiritual lesson, right? What's the lesson to learn from the first one? Okay, so I try fathers. Right? After um, Thomas, you, you explain this to your child. Then your child wants to go away. Say, wait, 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 come back. I must teach you a spiritual lesson. What's the spiritual lesson? When you read the Bible, um, do All right, very good. Son, come here. Every time you think there's a contradiction or your friend tells you there's a contradiction, always don't jump to conclusion. You must have a humble heart, right? That God is always right. God's word is always right. Be humble and don't think you're so smart that you found an error in the Bible, right? Always train your children from young. Otherwise, they will grow up thinking that, yeah, there's an error. And then slowly they will leave the faith. Built in them. It is never God. Is that is the problem. Let God be true and every man a liar. It's always man's failure to understand, all right? Now, very good. Now, next one. Genesis 41, verse 50. Let's read together. And unto Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came, which Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, bare unto him. Now, here, the person asks, Asenath, okay? Asenath. Now, did Asenath the wife of Joseph in Genesis, convert, convert means convert and became a, a follower of Jehovah, before marrying him, or was it more like Pharaoh decreed it, so the two were married and she remained pagan until her death? You understand the question, huh? So it's mentioned that Asenath, Asenath which is the wife of Joseph. So now, the daughter of Potipharah, the priest of On. So you say, well, she looks like she's an unbeliever. So did did Asenath convert to become a, a, a follower of Jehovah before marrying Joseph? Or simply because the, the Pharaoh said, you two get married. And then, okay, they had to get married and she remained an unbeliever till her death. Now, what do you think? What do you think? Uh, wait. Okay, Julius, do you think Asenath was a believer or unbeliever until the day she died? You don't want to answer. <laughs> you say, I may get caught. <laughs> All right, I try another one. Um, maybe Isaac. What do you think, Isaac? Hmm. 
So Isaac is very desperately reading the context. Okay, difficult to tell. Difficult to tell. Okay, that's the reality. It's difficult to tell. Now, there are various interpretations of this name, all right? Various interpretations of this name, Asinath. Now, um, one group of people, they interpret the name means she who is consecrated to Nath, all right? He's, she is consecrated to Nath, the goddess of wisdom, all right? So, if you, this, um, from the city of the sun god and so on. So, well, then some assume that, well, she's not the believer. But some say the name, the name was taken after conversion, meaning to say, now it can also, um, in a sense, mean the daughter of Jehovah. <laughs> Very extreme. So they say, well, historically, it can also be daughter of Jehovah. Now, so no one can really fully know. Did she convert to be a believer of Jehovah, then change her name? Or, or this is the name, it means daughter of the Nath, and then she remained an unbeliever. No one really can know, okay? So if you're a believer, you go to heaven, then you have to go look for Joseph, okay? Look for Joseph and ask. But at this point of time, no one really knows. But now, some take this view, which, which I tend to agree with. Now, turn to Genesis, Genesis 46, verse 20. Genesis 46, verse 20. So Isaac have to read five chapters ahead before he can find the context. All right, Genesis 46, Verse 20. Now, this is the advantage of reading the Bible all the time. All right? Now, let's read 46, 20 reading. And unto Joseph, in the land of Egypt, were born Manasseh and Ephraim, which Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, the priest of On, bare unto him. Now, so what do you think if you read this? So when you read chapter 41, hmm, I wonder. Then you reach 46. What would you maybe come to some conclusion? What would you conclude? What will you conclude? Maybe ask Abigail. Do you think she was a believer? No. Why? Chapter 41 mentioned there's a daughter of a priest, is it? But 46 also mentioned that she's a daughter of a priest. Same words, priest of on. What would you conclude? All right, maybe I ask um, some of the teens. Uh, Hazel, what is? Oh no, Jennifer. All right, the teens. Jennifer, what do you think? What would you? What can you maybe come to some guess? As louder, sorry. She became a believer. Why? Why do you think it may be the case? Okay, you need to talk louder. Oh, because the name seems to be biblical. In the name, maybe the father said, "You will call this." Well, it's quite close, all right? Quite close. Now you say forty-six, verse twenty, and unto Joseph in the land of Egypt were born Manasseh and Ephraim. Now, by and large, we know that Manasseh and Ephraim they were allocated land, right? They were allocated land in the promised land. So Joseph became two, two parts. So with that, well, some believe that the fact that God was not displeased and God did assign land 
um, to Joseph, which is actually to the two sons. Then most likely, God was not displeased then, most likely she may have be, been a believer. All right? And some believe that Joseph, being a godly man, would have um, shared the gospel with her and would have turned her to God as well. But can anyone argue this is for sure? No one knows. All right? That's my point. But I think if we really want to make some guess, I think um, this may be supported by that fact, that she may have become a believer. That is why um, Joseph Lyons still received the blessing. Could be. You can argue against that as well. So, not confirmed. Now, but what is the lesson to learn? What is the lesson to learn? One thing is for sure. What is the lesson to learn? Um, ask, ask, um, let me see. Hazel. Say again. Don't marry unbelievers. Then no one have to guess. <laughs> no one have to guess. Don't marry unbelievers. Under what situation he ended up marrying her, no one really knows. So was it decreed or was it she got converted and Joseph decided to marry her? No one really knows. But one thing we know, in the Bible is clear. In the Bible is clear, right? We should not marry unbelievers. In the New Testament, it's explicitly clear. In the Old Testament, it was also told to them, don't marry unbelievers because they will draw your children away from me. Okay? So, there's one key lesson. If your child asks you, then say, well, any which way, why are you so busybody about other people's life? You make sure you don't marry unbeliever. That's all I want teaching you, okay? Now, so young ones, please remember that. Please remember that. Now, next one. So now I choose this question because it's related. Is the calling of singlehood for the rest of your life something you can know definitely when you are still a young adult? You understand what I'm saying? This young person say, now, I am still a young adult. Maybe I feel that I'm called to singlehood. Is it possible to know for very sure that as a young adult, I'm called to singlehood for the rest of my life? You know what is singlehood? Ife, what is singlehood? Uh, you don't marry someone. Oh, very good. That you won't be marrying someone, all right? Singlehood. It's not those who play badminton, eh? play single or doubles, all right? So it's not that kind of thing, all right? Singlehood. You, you won't be marrying someone. So this young person say, I'm a young adult. Now, Maybe at this point, I feel that I'm called to singlehood. But is this something I know for sure? All right? For sure. In other words, if a young man come up, uh, I would like to court you. I'm called to singlehood forever. Go away. <laughs> right? Right? So a young adult say that. So is it possible to know, maybe I'm not. Maybe I am. What am I going to say? What am I going to th- how am I going to think? All right? Is it, is it permanent? Um, now that I think I may be called to singlehood, is it forever? Means, means it's for sure. Now, what do you think? So I asked, um, okay, this I asked the, the university students. Uh, Susan, talk lovely. Okay, so I don't think that you can really know for sure at the stage of life that is for sure and is for life. Is it? That's, that's your view. Okay. So, guys, there's a chance. <laughs> All right? Um, okay. Now, what about Gillian? Gillian? 
If at that stage you don't have to make a choice, means no one walk up to Jillian, I like to call you, means I'm single. <laughs> as long as no one asks me, then I presume I'm going to be, take it as I'm single. I, I'm, oh, the choice come, okay, then I decide again. Okay. All right. Now, this is the difficult question. Um, now, one thing is for sure. Very often, the will of God, the will of God is not something that we know for sure at this point of time. Very often, in hindsight, we become very sure and clear in hindsight. Okay? But are we saying also then we can never know the will of God? No. No, absolutely not. All right? So some things in life, we can know very clearly the will of God. Like, for example, my calling, right? I had the concept that maybe I will not know, but I know very clearly I cannot not know. I will waste my life entering the full-time ministry if I'm not very sure where God calls me, all right? So now God can show us from His Word, number one, all right, as you do your quiet time, your devotion, God will speak to you through His Word. For example, my main resistance of coming to Australia is I don't want to come because of my father. He's ill. It's his last days. I do not want to come. All right? Somewhere in my heart, I had a burden that this is the church. Heaviest burden in my heart. But I don't want to go by burden. All right? I don't want to go by burden because it's also the most difficult church. I was more happy to go to another church. But I know I must find it. The one thing that I know is stopping me from coming is my dad. And then when I do my devotion, it's very clear. So I do my devotion regularly. If any man love father or mother more than me, he's not worthy of me. Then I knew very clear. The one thing that I don't want to give up is the one thing that's preventing me from... So God will make it clear. But some things, it may not be clear at a certain stage. All right? At a certain stage. So some things definitely can be clear. But one thing is how to advise, how to advise a young person. So in this situation, well, look for the pastor, right? Look for the pastor. Seek for advice. Look for the church elder. Is the elder? Look for this um, spiritual man. The one thing is clear is Matthew six thirty three. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things, including life partner, shall be added unto you. So in other words, what what um, what you all say is true. All right, all right. So young ones, please know this. Maybe at a certain point you feel, I want to be single. I want to use my life to serve God and not be burdened by marriage. Now, you must not think that marriage is bad. Marriage is evil. Yifei, you want to get married? Julius, you want to get married? You see, at that age, they don't want to say, not really, <laughs> right? I can play and play and play on my own. Maybe that. Now, sometimes as we grow, grow up, some today, they don't want to get married because they want a free and easy life. Holiday whenever I can. Spend money as I wish. No one's going to um, stop me. All right? Free and easy life. Now, that should not be the reason why we want to be single. The Christians should just simply live like that. All right? Like what Jillian said, for example. Well, I just continue to live my Christian life. I just live my Christian life. If now I'm single, I'm single. But I seek the kingdom of God first. I just focus on growing spiritually. I just focus on worshipping God. I just focus on serving God. I just focus on, um, on loving God. 
I don't keep occupying my mind with this. Some people can occupy their mind to be so observed they can't sleep day and night. Right? Like we say, they take flowers. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. Right? I'll get married. I won't get married. I'll get married. Then the garden is always without flowers. Right? So some people are obsessed with it. No, God says, you just seek my kingdom first. God has a will. God has already a will for you. Don't worry about that. You own, the only thing you need to worry about is seeking God's kingdom because if you don't, you will become carnal. Then you will make the wrong decisions. You'll be guided by your heart, a carnal, fleshly heart, rather than a spiritual heart. Now, remember we learned last week about the will of God. That's another reason why I chose this. What does it mean when God says that, well, you commit your ways to the Lord, well, you seek the Lord, and He will grant you the desires of your heart? What does it mean, Richen? What does it mean God will grant you the desires of your heart? So you look, wow, one, two, three, four, five, so many to choose from. Ding, this one. Definitely grant you the desires of heart. Is that what it means? No, I think. Wow, no, okay, good. <laughs> Wow, wow. Well, use all the important terms, right? We are free agents. We are free agents means, well, we can make choices, right? Normal choices, we can make it. But, but our, our, our desires must align with God. When will your desire align with God? Sing Yuan. When your desire align with God? Say again. When, when it is in God's word, very good. Well, first and foremost, it is in God's word. Unbeliever, then you can forget it, right? What about believer but not very strong Christian? Is it God's will? No. A hesitant no, right? Well, it's unlikely God's word because does God want you to marry someone who is spiritually weak, who cannot lead you, who will not lead you, who will become spiritually carnal? Marriage is meant to to bring up godly seed. If you're not godly, how to have godly seed? All right? So you know some of this preceptive will, you already know you can write it off. Write it off, right? Wait for the person to become spiritual if you think so. Then proof, proof, like the prophet must prove himself as well, right? So proof, wait for proof. So just your heart's desire will be granted because when you seek God's kingdoms first, your criteria your desires will begin to align with God. That's why He will give you the desires of heart because the desires of your heart as you seek His kingdom first will be actually His will for you. All right? So can someone really know for sure? Um, you know for sure when you look back. When you look back. For those of you who are married, you look back, you say, this is so clear. You know, God, how God led us together. Presuming that when you are going through your courtship, you are living by God's precepts. Okay, then you look back, you know, you see how God leads you together and you see how God uses you after that. You, you are very sure. Please don't get married and after that, oh, maybe not this one. Uh. Maybe it should have been the other one in church. Oh, I chose the wrong one, right? So choose carefully and commit your heart and, and walk as the Lord's will. Okay, so can you really know um, as a young adult, it's one of the things that you just keep seeking God's kingdom first. Now, what about the situation where you want to be? You want to be single. Now, at the end of the day, it's always motives. It's always motives. God's word is very clear, and we've studied that. Marriage 
is ordained by God. Singlehood is also ordained by God in the book of Corinthians. All right? Both are good. Both are good because it's ordained by God. So you should not desire one more than the other because very soon your heart will be swayed. The desire of your heart is actually the desire, not the desire of God's will to be done in your life. The desire of your heart is simply the desire of your carnal flesh. That's all. all right? So just keep living like that. Um, be part of the church. Keep serving the church. We know Genesis 24, verse 27. I being in the way, the Lord let me. I being in the way, the Lord let me. You just keep walking in the way of the Lord. You just keep doing God's known will. And God will lead you along the way. All right? So don't purposely avoid marriage. Don't also be so determined to get married and whatever God's will is, I'm just going to get married. Now, the last thing I want to say about this is, is this. Um, be submitted to God's will throughout your life. Don't have lust. I lust to get married. I want to get married. I must get married. All right? And... God will bring the right person into your life if he intends for you to get married. If someone pursues you, does it mean it's God's will for you to get married? Not necessarily. Just like when God calls me here, when I wasn't sure. There are a few invitations, few churches don't have a pastor. They're looking for a pastor. They gave me letter of invitation. Does it mean that then immediately the first one is God's will? You still need to seek, all right? So just doesn't, doesn't mean someone pursue you, means it is God's will for you not to be single. Pursue and seek God's will clearly. Just because no one pursue you at this stage doesn't mean you're going to be single for life. You don't know. You don't know. Just keep walking in the will of the Lord. Now I've had so many cases of this. Both girls and, and guys, they say, you know, Pastor, after the message on singlehood, and I've made up my mind that that I'm going to be a single, all right? And then they say, they pray, God, you know, if it's your will for me to be single, then, then so be it. I just want to move on, you know? I don't want to keep thinking about these things anymore because both singlehood and marriage is ordained by you, is good. You know how many cases of this that after they said that, the right person come along and they're married today. <laughs> uh, so you know what to do, right? Those of you who want to get married, Pray that prayer. It's the mantra to use. The mantra. You know mantra? Once you use it, God is a genie. Oh, you use that, 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 that phrase. I cannot, I have to answer you now. All right, don't do that. All right, don't say. Now, what my point is, submit yourself honestly, earnestly, right, to God. And he will bring, sometimes you're not ready. God knows you have that lust. You're not ready until your life is totally, honestly, sincerely submitted to God. And God says, now you are ready. Just in case I disappoint you, there are those who said that and really they are single. Right? They are single for life. And they're joyfully single. All right? So just be totally submit to God's will. Okay? So that, I think that's all I can say.